0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: Earlier in the Bible reading, it said the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and it says he became a different man. I, I kept looking at that like, man, it, the impact it had on his life was so much, it said he was like a different man. And then the Lord took it away. In the Old Testament, God, doctrine to the Holy Spirit put it upon you, and then take it back. That's why David prayed, Lord, please take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Aren't you glad you don't have to pray that? That the Lord said, I gave it to you as a down payment is yours. I'm glad that he's not saying, give it back. You know, I'm glad it's mine, Cause I need it. I need, I need, I need not it. I need him.
0: Are you struggling with your identity? Are you stuck in a rut and don't know what to do to turn things around? In today's message... Pastor Bill wants you to know that like Saul in the Bible, God wants to make you into a new creation. If you're yearning for real change in your life, the only way is through him. The wisdom of self-help books and podcasts is fleeting, and will never inspire the differences in your life that you want to see. Put your trust in God and grow into the person that you were meant to be. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 6 for today's edition of a transforming word
1: why then has all this happened to us and where are all his miracles which our fathers had told us about saying did not the lord bring us up from egypt but now the lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the midianites and i hear in his voice i does he sound a little salty to y'all He's kind a little salty to me. Gideon's like, Lord, if the Lord is really with us, look at me. You know, I'm in the wine press. Where are the miracles that they're talking? I don't see no miracles. I'm down here. We're oppressed by the Midianites. And God, I just told you why. Because y'all been disobedient. Y'all been worshiping false gods. But God responds in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, this is a command, go in this might of yours. What might? Just stop right there. Go in this might of yours. What might? And I, went, I, I was pondering that, right? I'm going to give you my thoughts. I don't, I'm not, this is not gospel, but I'm going to give you my thoughts. I sat on that for a while. I'm like, go in this. I'm like, God is a, either God is being funny. And, you know, we talked about that the other night. I don't know, either God is making jokes. God said, you go in this might of yours. And this is my thought, right? What might? I, the only thing I saw, the, 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 the strongest thing I seen Gideon do was, was complain, Look at where we are. Look at why are we here? Why, where are the guys, all that, all that right to go in that might, go in, go in that might of yours. Take that fervor, I want you to go in that might. But he gives him some instruction. God says, go in that might of yours, and he promises him something, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And I'm looking and saying, why well, God's making promises to this guy. God says, I want you to go in this might of yours, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna use you. Um, you're gonna save Israel from the Midianites. And God tells him, have I have I not sent you? Look at verse 15. He says, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? And he says, indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Not too long ago in the Bible, reading, there was someone else that sounded like this. Um, this is humility. Right. Anybody know that someone else that when they were called, they, they, they pointed to the weakness of their tribe and their heritage Anybody? Saul. Saul right. When Saul was called to be king, he said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the weakest tribe. I'm the weakest one in the weakest tribe. My father's house, the weakest house in the weakest tribe. He was humble at the beginning, but he ain't stay humble. He got messed up toward the end. So I just want you to know Gideon here is saying, it's, it's, I read that and I, I remembered that that's exactly what Saul said. Um, Gideon said, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I'm the weakest. We're in the weakest. I'm in the, It'd be like somebody said, I'm on the worst team, and I'm the worst player on the worst team. Y'all know what the worst team is right now. Huh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm the worst player on the worst team. Why would you pick me? And we've already discussed that. So I won't go any further. But God, God, God uses the weak to confound the wise. Verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Whenever God says something definitive like that in my Bible, I, I got a Bible marking system. Um, commands are blue. Promises are always, I highlight in green in my Bible. That's that God is saying, look, I'm promising. I'm telling you that surely I'm going to be with you and you're going to defeat the Midianites as one man. You're, you're going to be the guy to go and defeat them. That's a promise. Now, when God makes a promise, God can't lie. So what we're supposed to do with the promise of God is go in faith. Just take that word and go in faith. God, you said it. Now, you got to do what you said. Now, now I'm going in full faith that what you said is going to take place. Verse 17, it says, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. And so Gideon and we all know this is popular, you know, popular thing about Gideon wants he wants a sign or give me a I want you to put the fleeces out. I I need to make sure And he's really, really. I want to make sure, make sure, make sure. Now, I want to say this up front right? Because Gideon didn't have yet something that we have as believers. Is it okay for Christians today to be putting out fleeces before the Lord? Well, I'm going to put out this fleece so you can show me for sure, if that's what you want me to do. Um, is that okay for us to do? The answer is no. Um, we're, the, we, we, with, with the Old Testament saints lacked that we have. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. We'll see by the end of the chapter, God does pour out his spirit upon Gideon. But every Christian, God said, give me the Holy Spirit. Why do you give us the Holy Spirit? Well, as soon as you believe, Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, to convict you of sin, to comfort you, to guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's inside the believer at work. And so, um, you know, for us, if if it's a matter of making decisions, I got to be yielded to the spirit, sensitive to the spirit. Uh, The spirit and the word will coincide. They work together. But if there are things I'm praying about. God's like, don't don't put out a fleece. You better be in prayer. And, and be sensitive to my voice. Be listening to, to me. Let me guide you by my spirit. The spirit will guide you into all truth, which means he'll guide me away from error. So, But Gideon doesn't have that. So to his credit, he's like, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure, sure, sure. Now, if you want to make sure, what should you do? Pray and look for confirmation. We look for, and this is the thing where it's, 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 it's you know, God just does it in different ways. You can pray and God, and this is this is why I never want to put God in a box. God may speak to you through his word Bible. God can speak to you through a person prophetically. I've had um, I had a scenario with my daughter. We were praying about something together and she went to a cartoon movie and there was a scene in the movie. And it was like, that is crazy. It was a scene in the movie that almost almost exactly answered the thing that she was. She was like that. God spoke to me through that movie, that movie. I'm not putting God in a box. I'm not just Then let's let go in obedience to what he told you through the movie. Like God can speak however he wants. And I I just want to say that um, I never want to box him up because he's too big to be boxed up. Um, But we do look for the Lord to put a stamp on something. Um, Lord, I mean, give me a boldness in my spirit. Give me something from the word. Um, You know, if. I want I want to move forward with a certainty that this is from you. God will do that. And so but we're not, you know, don't go outside and put out a towel. And say, it's raining. So if this towel's dry. When I come in, then I'm going to know, you know, don't don't do that. You know, we, we pray and listen and, and let the Lord minister how he will. And uh, we move from there. So He says now in verse uh, 6, 18, he says, do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephod flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put he uh, he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out uh, to him under the terebinth tree uh, and presented them there. And so verse 20 says that the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, I'm sorry, uh, said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put the end of the staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, Gibeon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gibeon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Cause he must've got afraid right there. God never tells nobody to, God never says, don't be scared unless he, he sees that you scared. So he said, hey, we're like, peace be with you. You're not going to die. You know, you, you saw, you, you know, you, you're going to be okay. Verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there before the Lord and he called it. He called it. The Lord is peace. Uh, we get Jehovah Shalom, uh, Jehovah Shalom from this. Um, the Lord is peace. Or, the Lord is my peace to this day. It is still in Ophrah, of the Abezrites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second the second bull of 7 years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with wood on the image wood of the image which you shall cut down. Now this is what God tells them to do. This is my uh, third point in terms of revival. So we got, you know, fervent prayers to God, being made aware of what you've done wrong was number two. Number three is in verses twenty-five to twenty-seven, where now it's time to turn from and destroy the things that have gotten in between you and the Lord. I want you to listen. God tells me to do a difficult thing. God says, Gideon, your father has an idol. Your father has an altar to a false god. I want you to go to your father and tear down his altar. There's an idol beside the altar. I want you to chop that idol up. I want you to take the wood from your dad's idol and I want you to build a proper a proper altar to the Lord the way I like my altars built. I want you to take the wood from your dad's idol and I want you to use it as firewood and I want you to put that other bull up there for me and I'm gonna consume that. Now, what might be, what, what might be the hindrance or the fear for Gideon in this thing? Anybody? His parents. Dad. It's my dad's idols. My, you know, now I'm going to say this because some people are hindered in moving forward in the Lord because their parents have too much power over them. And some of our parents, I'm going to just say this. My my parents, um, when I came to the Lord, were not believers. Um, my mom was, my mom was. Friendly toward Christianity, but she was not a Christian. Um, uh, My father had a different sort of belief system. And so there were aspects of my life that improved, that they appreciated. But there were other things that God would call me to do or to not to do as a as a Christian that they wouldn't necessarily agree with, support or understand. That at that point in my life, it had to not matter. At that point in my life, as a, as a Christian, I'm a 19-year-old Christian man. I, I have, It can't matter what mom or dad think at that point. Jesus said, anyone who loves mother, father, sister, brother, child, more than me. What did he say? And not worthy of me. God's not, and he's not saying, I never disrespect my parents. There's always a, a reverence, an honor, a respect. I'm commanded to do so. To a point. I'll show reverence. I'll show respect. And I will absolutely love them. But the point where it falls back or it falls down is, is, is the, I, I will not violate my conscience before God to appease you. Won't do it. And so there'll be things that God says, this is what I'm telling you to do. Well, they're not supporting you. Um, when it was time for me to go to Bible college, um, I'm to, to, it seemed stupid to my parents. Didn't seem like the right thing to do at that time. I had a baby on the way. Mika was pregnant with Harmony. Um, I had a, I had a pretty good, I had the best job I had ever had, but my wife and I had agreed that once she finished her part of school, we were teamwork. We'll work till you finish your part of school. And then when you're done, I'm going to Bible college. That's what I'm called to do. So she had finished and it just so happened that when she finished, she was pregnant. Um, and she's like, so now it's time for you to go to Bible college. You going to go. And I'm like, yeah. And I realized that, man, I got to quit this job to go full time. And again, to my parents, this, this seems it seemed you're young, son, you're dumb, you're making bad decisions. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm called to go to Bible. This is what God's calling me to do. It seemed dumb, but it was what I was called to do. Some of you here may be challenged in this way, that what God's calling you to do, you may not have parental support. And I just want you to know you don't need it. Don't look for it. Don't count on it. Don't, don't feel like you need it. You need to obey God. You need to honor God with your life, and let them let them catch up as you just go on and move forward with the Lord. You know what happened? Both my parents—they eventually caught up. My mom eventually got to a place where she said, "I really respect your walk with the Lord." I got to walk my—I got to—I got to walk my mom into a relationship with the Lord a year before she went home to be with God. Which you know, and I'm still praying for the other mother parent, you know. But we we're working on those things, you know. But it's like, you know, I, it, I at that point in time in my life, I couldn't I could not be led by. I can't be led by a non-believer as a believer. So Gideon's gonna have a, a legitimate fear. You want me to take my dad's idol and my dad's altar, chop them down, take the wood, build an altar to the true and living God, and then put the wood up there. And this is gonna this could go bad. So you know, I just want you to understand why Gideon Gideon is is you know I'm learning this about him that he's he's a stealthy. You know, um, he didn't just quit. He just said, I'm going to continue to thresh wheat, but I'm going to do it in the wine press. And he's going to obey this command God gives him, but he's going to do it. He's like, I'm not doing it during the day, though. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do this under the cover of night. Look at verse. Look at verse twenty seven. So Gideon took ten men. So he, he's going to do it. He, he took ten men from among his servants and he did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night, and I, I, I'm gonna say that that's okay. You know, I'm gonna say that you know, you you know what, Gideon, if you at least you're gonna do it. You know what I mean? If, if you got to do it at nighttime, um, you know, I I'm gonna give him credit for that. Amen? Amen. I'm like, at least you're gonna do it. So he goes ahead and move forward with it, and it says, um, and he did it by night, verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal turned torn down. And the wooden image that was beside it cut down and the second bull was uh, being offered on the altar which had been built. Now, mind you, they would know that the altar that was now built was to the Lord. They knew the Lord and they knew that what they were doing was wrong. So this to see their idol torn down and to see this altar for the Lord built, they would know. They should have came out and said, oh, man, we've been tripping. That's what they should have done. Um, verse 29 says, so they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then of the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal. And because he has cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Now I want you all to notice this. They were willing to kill for their false god. That's how far they've fallen. We're willing to, we want to punish by death. This young man for disrespecting our idols. That's how far from the the, the the worship of the true and living God they have fallen at this point. And so verse 31 says, but Joash, this is uh, Gideon's father, spoke up and he said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is God, let him plead for himself. Because his altar has been torn down. And so his dad kind of sticks up for him. Dad said, you know what? Would you kill for Baal? He says, let him fight for himself. If you know if he's offended, let him do something because his dad know better. You know, his dad knew, you know, you ordered with a false God. You know, you know, he don't really exist. You know, he's not coming to do nothing because he's just a figment in your imagination. And I look at this nothing. If he know better, why he didn't do better. Right. If he knew this, why did he have that altar? Why he didn't stand up? Why didn't he now he's standing up for his son's life? Why didn't he stand up before? We don't know. But I'll look at this. I, I, I know that I know that Gideon has Gideon standing up has made his dad step up. And so uh, and again, I, this this just for anybody here that's in that battle, you're standing first. Maybe your parents will catch up. Gideon's dad who had the altar and the thing is now now he's willing to speak up on his son's behalf because his son stepped up first. And maybe some of us as kids will step up first and our parents will be will be called to, 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 to follow our, our, our steps. And so um, verse 32, it says, therefore, on that day, he called him Zerubbabel, saying, let Baal plead. And that, that word means let Baal plead. Um, so they, they called him Zerubbabel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Then all the all the Midianites, the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. And this is um, verse 34 it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet and the Abizrites gathered behind him. And you should mark that in your Bible. This is getting ready to make all the difference in the words. We follow this story. We're not going to go. Uh, we're going to run to the end of this chapter, but mark that right. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. Uh, I have to explain that real quick and then we're going to we're going to wrap this up. This is um, the the three experiences that people can have the Holy Spirit are um, when you're not a believer. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is with you, convicting you of sin. Um, The Holy Spirit is the one that's at work to help you to see that you need the Lord. And so some of us would never find our way to the Lord if it weren't for the Holy Spirit convicting and illuminating and helping us. Then. The moment you bend your knee and bow your heart and say, Lord, come in, I surrender my life to you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. He dwells with you. Now he lives or dwells within the believer. He's at work in you, guiding you into all truth, convicting you of sin, comforting you when you're hurting in a supernatural way, alive and working in the heart and life of every believer. Then the third experience is we saw that in Acts 1-8 where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer to empower them for service, Uh, many times to to bring the gifts to life in a person's life, the Holy Spirit coming upon. And Jesus said um, to them, "Is when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will have power to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, At times in Acts, the Holy Spirit would fall. People spoke with other tongues. There were times the Holy Spirit fell, Acts 4.31, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Um, But God was basically, you guys aren't ready to serve me without this power. Upon your life, You need my help. You need my strength. So all of us here that are called to serve, um, you may be saved with the Holy Spirit in you, but if you've never had the Holy, you've never asked the Lord, the Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon me? It's not a magic thing either. When I'm saying, Lord, pour out your spirit upon me. There's also got to be in my life a, a willingness to yield in a greater way that I'm going to yield myself to you like never before that the spirit will have control. And what you tell me to do, I'll do it. When you tell me to speak, I'll speak it. When you move upon me to do something, I'll do it that you may manifest your presence and power in my life like never before. And so the Holy Spirit came upon him and it's going to impact him. Earlier in the Bible reading, it said the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and it says he became a different man. I, I kept looking at that like, man, it, the impact it had on his life was so much. That it says he was like a different man. And then the Lord took it away. In the Old Testament, the God, the Holy Spirit put upon you and then take it back. That's why David prayed, Lord, please take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Aren't you glad you don't have to pray that? That the Lord said, I gave it to you as a down payment. It's yours. I'm glad that he's not saying give it back. You know, I'm glad it's mine because I need it. I need, I need, I need not it. I need him uh, in, a, in, a, in a significant way in my life. And so this last second, the Holy Spirit comes upon his life and he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who gathered behind him he also sent mass- messengers to Asher Zebulun Naphtali and they came up to meet him so Gideon said to God if you will save Israel he shouldn't have said that cuz God already said he would do it and that he would do it through him but we see he got questions still he's still struggling with that if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said look i have put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there is dew on the fleece only And it is dry on the ground. Then I shall know that you shall save Israel by my hand, um, as you have said. And so it was when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together. He wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, he's testing. Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the fleece, but on the ground. Let there be dew. And God did so that night. Uh, it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. And so I, I just will point out that God has been gracious and merciful to Gideon. He, he, he just said, God, please, just let's He want extra confirmation. God said, now, now you got all the confirmation you need. God's going to tell Gideon to do some crazy stuff. Let's get this out the way. I want you to know for sure I'm going to do it. Because now the way you're going to the way I'm going to have you do it is going to be even crazier than the fact that I'm going to do it through you. So, Lassie, as God had him go destroy that altar, I want you to destroy the thing that's, that's been in my way. And maybe there's something that's in God's way in your life. And if it's a thing, if it's some paraphernalia, if it's a person, you know, uh, if there's something that needs to be destroyed, destroyed. That um, that whatever's in God's way can be put out the way. You could be the one to move it out the way. God told Gideon, "I want you. I want it to be your hands to chop down that altar. You might have to do it at night too, but you go ahead and do it. You know, whatever's getting in your way, get, whatever's getting in God's way in your life, go ahead and knock it out, that God can have His way in your life." Amen.
0: Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the Book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to him, not questioning his goodness or faithfulness. God's long-suffering, and he proves this time and time again in the book of Judges. Have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, Head over to CalvaryEnglewood.org. Look under the Teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teaching with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the Book of Judges, and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word.